there's only one snack that can make me feel like I'm having the true movie theater experience, and that's popcorn. When my mom and I hang in for a girl's night, we have to get our fix, and that's where Kelly's Killer Popcorn comes in. They're a small batch gourmet popcorn company, and believe me, one bite and you'll be hooked. Made in Austin, Texas, this family-owned business has tons of flavors. My mom loves their salted agave caramel, while I have a hard time picking between black pepper or dill pickle. Hmm, maybe I'll just mix the bags together. Oh, and when my dad and brother crash our girl's night, you know that spicy nacho popcorn is coming out. Every flavor is popped in 100% real butter and is whole grain and gluten-free. Which flavor will you be choosing? Head on over to kellyskillerpopcorn.com to indulge yourself in some scary good gourmet popcorn. And make sure to tag them on Instagram at kellyskillerpopcorn so that they can see what movie you're pairing with their flavors. That's kellyskillerpopcorn.com for American-made, small-batch, delicious popcorn. This is The Gala Show. I'm your reporter on the beat, Gala Avery. On this episode, we're breaking from my usual format just a bit. Today is solstice, which is my family's holiday, so there's no better time than now than to bring on my very special guest. You'll know him as the director of seminal films like The Rules of Attraction, which has affected countless members of my generation, whether they know it or not. The Academy Award-winning writer of Pulp Fiction, the man who adapted titles such as Beowulf and Silent Hill to the screen, or maybe even as my favorite co-host on the Video Archives podcast. But here on The Gala Show, I know him as my mentor, my best friend, and my father, Roger Avery. Hey, Dad. Hey, thank you for having me. Thank you for coming back on. I'm so excited to be on your show. It's kind of funny, actually, because people don't know this yet, but my dad was my test subject. He did an hour-long episode with me and a 30-minute episode with me. To kind of fix my format yeah just to see what it was like and so you inter- i actually been on the show twice before but those were just like test those were like the menagerie and of the first <laughs> season of star trek with you know without before kirk was part of with it pike yeah with captain pike i mean those will come out eventually but i wanted the solstice episode yeah, being just, solstice. just like how the menagerie eventually came out as well eventually i actually have it over there on my vhs shelf which is very random but i have to give you the rest of my um star trek vhs oh, i'm gonna have even more i have a collection of them they have two episodes each on them oh great like always i have a question before we get into the topic for today so dad what is solstice and why does our family celebrate it? Well, solstice happens twice a year. So there's actually two solstices. There's summer and winter solstice. And today we're celebrating winter solstice. And uh, this is, I believe, um, preceding solstice, the shortest days of the year. And it represents a return. When I was a boy, um, my mom... Uh, who's German, uh, she used to explain to me, well, you know, the sun is moving south, 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 south. And the old fear in the old country was that the sun is eventually going to just fall off the planet. And so there was much rejoice when the sun started reversing direction and setting again more northerly every day. And that's solstice, so like yeah. So solstice would be were... that that joyous return of of the sun, <laughs> change switching its direction and now returning back, and you know that you have the uh, the assurance that the 
time to plant and spring is coming. Spring is coming. The what I, what, harshness I, of winter is slowly coming to an end. How I always described it to my friends, it's like Christmas and New Year's in one because you have your solstice tree, which mm-hmm. Christmas took the solstice tree, and you basically get to give a gift to everyone, but it's supposed to be a meaningful gift that's like your wish for them for the new year. And then you make a wish for your new year. You mean like how our family celebrates solstice is Mm -hmm. what you meant. Like literally, well, you know, we just look at it as, um, you know, this kind of important day, you know, this, this kind of best time to wrap all sort of winter holidays together and uh, into one. Yeah. And it's really fun to celebrate. We get fondue. Yeah. Fondue. We get a gift. We have a little tree. Yeah. It's good. It's a good yeah. day. There's usually gold involved. <laughs> lots and lots of lots gold. Of the pot gold. of gold at the end of the tunnel That's or the right. rainbow. I don't know what. Lentils. Sometimes it's lentils. Sometimes it's lentils. That's, yeah, that is sometimes. Or is that more of a Christmas thing? Well, we do celebrate Christmas sometimes Some, too. I mean, you know, it, we celebrate every holiday we can. <laughs> Now, as always, my guest gets to bring their topic to the mic. Dad, why don't you tell us what your topic is and why you decided to choose it? Well, it's Solstice, and I went through my long list of Solstice films, and then I divided them up by Summer Solstice and Winter Solstice. And uh, the movie that I arrived at, um, it's kind of like a Venn diagram into something else that I'm really interested in, which is our family and the movies we watch together as a family, which is usually what we do on solstice. We watch a movie together. And so, um, I, I, I just thought, uh, this would be a good time to do a, a solstice film, a solstice film celebration. And so in looking at all of them, Logan's run, uh, jumped out at me. To be honest, I, uh, I thought about a number of movies. I even thought about my own film, uh, rules of attraction that has the, um, Burning Man, the Wicker Man, the Wicker Man sequence in it, and I thought about talking about that today. But then I realized that I wanted to talk about something that our family, a movie that our family watches frequently and that's beloved by our family, and one that was representative to me at least of solstice and renewal and um, things returning. Uh, and it, it, Logan's Run. Logan's Run popped into my head and, and I just wanted to watch Logan's Run with you. So I haven't seen it in forever. Oh, before we get into the topic, it's time for a commercial break. I might be vegetarian, but that doesn't mean I can't enjoy a good spice rub. My favorite place to get them is Smoked Bros, a veteran-owned and operated business that sells premium handcrafted dry rubs, spice blends, and seasonings. Guys, you can even put it on your popcorn. My favorites are Honey Badger, because he doesn't give a bleep, and Jelly and Peanut Flavor Topping, because mm, 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 some things just taste better together. The website even has recipes, so go check out smokedbros.com to support a veteran-owned and operated business and fill your cabinet with delicious flavor. You heard it here, you guys. We are going to be talking about family cinema movies that dad and I watched together and my brother and my mom, but namely today we're going to be focusing on Logan's Run. I have 30 minutes on the clock and our time starts now. 
Okay. So, I, better, I best not waste a second. Don't waste a second. So it had been a really long time since I had seen Logan's Run, which is funny because I have two posters of Logan's Run in my kitchen. But... Yeah, it's true. And actually, that was one of the reasons I wanted to watch the movie again is um, you were moving and uh, you know we're moving all of your pictures and I get, I'm gathering up. And so, of course, I'm looking at all of your posters that are framed and and you've got these two logan's run yeah shout out to david exotic originals who gave those to me actually as a gift oh really well they are badass as they say they are one of them is like a calendar yeah one of them is the calendar that they post they're japanese posters yeah they're japanese posters and just the the look of the film the art direction of the film the kind of late 70s kind of groovy design of chrome and color and it's just like i just adore the movie so so i assume we are going to be talking with a little bit and, of spoilers. And, and it must be said your frames that oh you my from framing devil um he definitely framed them like they are sparkle i have like sparkle rainbow frame pastel rainbow frames on them past like rainbow frames maybe like i'll post spark- a picture of yeah them. you need to post a picture of those um i assume we are going to be talking with a little bit of spoilers today about logan's run so just like i guess spoiler warning for those if of you, you haven't have- seen logan's run by now <laughs> you deserve to be spoiled you deserve to be spoiled okay but tell people maybe that haven't seen the movie a little synopsis of what it is okay so um uh we are introduced um first by a little text preamble that tells us the fate of humanity after the great wars and the starvations and uh you know everything that occurred that um humanity basically retreated into a city of a bubble city and that uh, it was decided that people would only live till they were 30. And that when they turn 30, they enter into carousel, which is a ritual that everyone kind of uh, um, who is exactly turning 30 on that day, whose birthday it is, so to speak, uh, they all get together and are part of this kind of I don't know. It's like a. It's a carousel. It's a. It's they have these definitely... leotards on that have flames on them, and they're wearing these like crazy hockey masks. And everyone starts like yelling like rebirth, and renewal, they start renewal, floating in in truly an incredible sequence because this is before computer graphics, and um, and I have to say the optical effects in this by Abbott L B Abbott are really outstanding, but um, all things considered, considering the time period and the technologies that they were working with. But uh, this sequence where they have uh, these it's people the 15th, in carousel floating into 15th the air. of Capricorn. Yes, exactly. End all the, of day. End of day. to carousel. And it's time for renewal. And they're all, they float up and then they kind of explode. They, they're vaporized as they elevate, as they ascend, they call it. Basically, you have 30 years on this planet. And to if, live and if you and choose to run 40. i thought it was 40 and and ev- we, we yeah, no 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 it. it's 30 years like 28 and you're i was like, like <laughs> i gotta start running suddenly start the running. movie had meaning to you right <laughs> <laughs> it like it didn't mean so much when you were like six watching the film you know, when i was like watching the film when i was a kid i was like okay there, there's like these really cool weird sequences and then there's like a really boring old man which like maybe still he is boring but we have Logan and we have his friend Francis, Francis. and they're and both um, Sandmen. Yeah, and so what happens is, um, if uh, if you don't, if you choose to not go to renewal and you choose to run and run, uh, run, 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 then the Sandmen come after you to basically to I put you to sleep. Sandman. 
And uh, and they kind of lament having to kill you because it's sort of like, oh, it's too bad for that guy. He didn't get renewed. Actually, I don't know. Francis was kind of enjoying it. Oh, they both enjoy it. Actually, they make a really weird point. There's a lot of very strange, almost arch uh, moments in this movie. Arch moments of of um, interpersonal dynamics and really extreme emotions where people do very extreme uh, almost ridiculous things and one of them was how much they were playing with people when the sandmen were chasing that guy and how excited they were getting and how how much fun they were having because in this society it's totally hedonistic and so everyone has access to food sex like whatever they want like there is no husband and wife like you just basically can put yourself up and like have sex with whoever so i assume it's ancient rome but i assume being a sandman one of the things that like gets you going is probably the hunt and the kill it's probably one of the only really exciting things that's unique to you well at a certain point um you know logan uh who is our our hero and he's what is he logan seven logan, logan eight, five i think logan five he um which means that you know it's been a number and of generations Jessica six yeah he uh he's he goes to meet with the big computer and the big computer basically tells him uh, do you recognize this symbol? And it shows him the symbol of the Ankh. Which he picked up off of the last guy that was a runner. Yeah, it was one of the items that he picked up off of him, and he doesn't really recognize it. And the computer tells him, this is the Ankh. Do you recognize the name Sanctuary? And he says, he kind of understands what the computer is asking, but not really. He doesn't think much beyond what he does. Although Logan is the one guy in the world, it seems, who is kind of thinking. Like he's at the very beginning of the movie, we're introduced to him. He's actually at nursery, which is the place where all the babies are born, seeing the new They're Logan. Hatched. Yeah, the, the new hatching of the new Logan who I think is his seed. It's like literally it's, it's his, his seed. It's his seed because it's not his anymore. Yeah. Uh, they make a point and he doesn't know who they say um, the seed mother is. Like he doesn't know. And it's like when his friend says like, you're kind of crazy, like you're visiting the, the nursery. And he's like, well, I'm not that crazy because I don't question who the mother, he doesn't even use the word mother. I don't yeah. question who the seed, uh, the seed mother is. Well, Logan is instructed by the computer that he is as a Sandman to go find sanctuary and under what like directory or code well there's several i this is the first time i've watched the movie where i suddenly noticed all the numerology that was going on in the film and and the that there is a greater discussion going on on this film and i still don't really fully understand what i just saw what i just started seeing in this viewing because we literally watched the movie and then got right on the mics yeah that that was uh the thing i wanted to do today is like watch it immediately get on the mic and talk about it without any kind of preparation. And then have me go edit it. Like, unlike normally, I don't really want to talk about, you know, Michael Anderson, who directed the Quiller Memorandum, blah, blah, blah. You know, the movie, the movie, yeah, and, like, talk about, like, the, the history of the film and even, like, the, that not all of that is as That's not what you're interested in. Yeah, it was more that I wanted to justify this as... Um, I mean, this was a movie that I saw when I was a kid. It's a movie I showed you when you were a kid. And also that my mom saw when she was a kid. She told me today, which I never knew, that she actually begged her mom to take her to go see it. Yeah. And I don't... This like, was a very mom, hot film okay, so in like, 1976. Well, like, what else was out? Uh, Taxi Driver. Carrie. Carrie. I mean, there were a lot of great movies out that year. But Logan's Run, if you were a kid, was... 
like that was a must see movie and i just want to preface this for listeners out there because i talk about my dad a lot but i don't always talk about my mom my mom despite not like working in the industry or being like what we would consider a cinephile has really good taste in movies like her favorite director is paul verhoeven she loves movies like galaxy quest robocop she loves stuff like that loves and paul verhoeven she loves paul verhoeven. i hate how much she loves paul verhoeven <laughs> dad don't be jealous no i am jealous um, of the one man in this world i'm jealous of and it's <laughs> Paul fucking Verhoeven. <laughs> um, but like my mom, I would not imagine her to be someone that would beg her mom at 10 years old to go see Logan's Run. And so it's like, it was really fun having that story be told to me like as we're watching it and her get like really excited by seeing it again on the TV. It was just really fun watching it again. And I didn't clock when I was a little kid that Logan was sent by the computer to go find Sanctuary. Right. So the computer basically... Um, you know, they all have these crystals in their hand and the crystals kind of go through various colors throughout your life. And when it gets red, you know, it means that you're kind of like late stage life, you know, you're kind of later in life. And then when it starts blinking, okay, you're, you're, it's time for renewal. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of hide it and you may, maybe you run or you get a new face or you do all that stuff to try to, to try to escape. Um, or you go to renewal, you, you fully have bought into it. And so the computer suddenly makes Logan, uh, completely erases his life clock. Yeah, he's supposed to be 26 because he says he has four more years left. Yeah, boom. No, no, your years are over. You've got to go find Sanctuary. And he's like, do I get my four years back after? And the computer won't answer. Yeah, there is no answer. And immediately he's sent on the run and his best friend, Francis, is chasing after him. And he has directory 33 and a half. Okay, so without getting too much, I, I'm not going to really talk too, too much about the ending. And in fact, I think the ending is a little weird yeah, and bogus. So little... Maybe we will talk about the ending, but let's talk about it after we talk about um, what I started stuff. noticing about the movie as I was watching it this time. Um, uh, okay, so there's two things that are, that are brought up. One of them is that it is time, the computer instructs him to do procedure 33.3 and um and there's been several interpretations of this um let me see one of them was uh 33 minus 03 because it's 33 stroke mm. 03 which is actually 30, 30 which is the year of um, renewal which would be your um your time for you know uh, ascension ascension and to go to carousel that could be it um but then they also bring up the number 1056, the amount of um, runaways runners apparently that are out there who are unaccounted for. And Logan's kind of freaking out at that point because he's like, wait, is no one being renewed? If there are that many runners that are unaccounted for, like are people not being renewed? Like what's going on here? Because he's previously been visited by the the woman in the movie, the lead actress, who puts herself up on this like sex thing. Like you basically can just like put yourself up on the computer uh -huh. and have sex with anyone. And yeah, it's on the, what does she call it? The circuit. The circuit. Yeah. You put yourself up and he chooses her and she's kind of turned off by him because he is a Sandman mm -hmm. and uh, she's wearing the onk. And she asks him the question when he's like, Oh, like let's just have sex. And she's like, no, like I want to know how you live. Don't you ever like think about it? Like what happens? And she kind of plants that seed in his head for him to start questioning what's really going on and that's i think it's really great because then that's when he's like wait a second is no one being renewed yeah well um 1056 mm -hmm. 10 plus 56 is 666 oh it's the number it's the devil number it's the number of the beast and it's the um, mark of the beast 
Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's the mark of the beast. And it's also um, the fall of mankind to the birth of Noah was 1,056 years. Wow. And so... Um, There's a lot of numerology in here. So th- then I started looking at that 33, procedure 33-3, 33-3, which is the 33rd level of Freemasonry. And then I suddenly started seeing the movie in a different light. I started noticing um, uh, a number of things, like even when they finally um, kind of escape to what they think is going to be sanctuary, mm-hmm. where they end up in the room in room ten fifty six, or with the with the one thousand fifty six uh, runners who yeah. have been caught and frozen, because all the fish have no are no longer coming because like basically their whole entire they live in this big dome and this big dome is like hydraulic powered. And these robots have been taking care of them. And mm-hmm. this one robot says like, oh, yes, the fish and the kelp, all of that stopped coming. So now they came instead. And you're like, who came? Who came? And it turns out that all the runners are there. Like the robot has been capturing the runners and freezing them to feed them to the other people. Yeah. It's really gross and sick. And I didn't, that's another thing. I didn't understand that when I was younger watching it. I was just thinking like, there's a weird movie. There's a lot of action color, the green and the red. And then all of a sudden you get to like the ice thing. And it's like, what the heck is happening here? And then they're out in the real world. And my favorite line in the movie, I hate it outside. I hate it outside. Oh yeah. When it. she's like, uh, I hate outside. I hate outside. I don't want to go back inside. I hate outside. Outside sucks. <laughs> I also so- forgot to mention Christ was 33 years old oh. when he, uh, when he was crucified. Wow. And so they go into that room and the character's name, the robot's name is? Box. Box. It's a cube. And the cube is, uh, it's the Kabbalistic symbol. Mm-hmm. And so uh, there is, I, I don't fully understand what I just saw, but I know that the elements are there. And I'm now like looking at the movie in a different light. I'm I'm now looking at it as some kind of Freemasonic journey either an ascension or a, I mean, it's Michael Anderson, who's a British director and all these British directors, and they're we, all Freemasons. When we talked about the Quiller so, Memorandum, he had a lot of like oh, a really good symbolism in his directing. This guy is encoding his stuff. His movies, they seem simple entertainment, but they're not. He's definitely encoding all sorts of stuff into them. And so basically by traveling through and coming to the, um, what is it called? The, um, Oh my God! In Freemasonry, the uh, commissary, I think, is what it is, which is the the assembly. It's the gathering point. Like commissary? It's not a commissary, though. I think it's commissary, mm-hmm. and it's the assembly of the the highest order of um, the most sacred um, order of them. And if that is box, uh, you know, the cube, the, the, the 1056 of and them, that, that is where they are in that moment. And they travel, they push through that. Mm-hmm. And what they push through to is the sun. And we know that the sun and sun worship is absolutely tied in to, uh, Freemasonic rites. And, um, and so th- there's something going on in this movie and I'm not saying I even understand it yet. But watching it today, this time, it was like, bing, something, you know, clicked in me. And I realized there's a lot going on in this film. There's a lot more because even the things that happen in the film sometimes don't seem like they make 
sense. Sense. Like And sometimes the staging is kind of weird. Staging like, is what weird. Is going people, on here? people say kind of very strange stilted things. I I mean Jenny Agutter, who I absolutely love from uh Walkabout, the Nicholas Rogue film. Uh, she plays Jessica. What is it? Jessica. Jessica six? Jessica six. She plays Jessica six in this, and um, I mean, she's fantastic. She's absolutely beautiful. She's a rebel and everything. But at a certain point, she kind of reduces to, and she literally says, "The only thing I want is to live and to be with you." And I, I mean, I get that. I understand that as a writer, and these writers are some of the best writers. Yeah, it's interesting. Okay, so um, there's like the guy who wrote the screenplay, but then there's also the book that it's based on. And one of them wrote several other books, and then also the movie The Burnt Offerings. Yeah, Burnt Offerings. Um, yeah. And then the movie. second writer of the book is, uh, speaking of Star Trek, wrote that first Star Trek episode. The Menagerie? Yeah, he wrote the... I, no, maybe he wrote The Cage. The Cage? Yep. I think he wrote... Is the cage the? I don't know. I I, I think I, he wrote the cage, and uh, he I'm also. I'm ashamed to say I can't remember. He also wrote uh, four <laughs> um, Twilight Zone episodes. One of them being um, a penny for your thoughts. Well, I mean, this is some of the greatest science fiction of all time. It's also a little, you know, it may come across as a little basic to today's audiences because it's a very simple um, journey. And they take a long time to get there. They're, they luxuriously take a long time to get there, and then. The world is kind of models and stage fights and, uh, you know, it's there's a kind of raw clumsiness to it that some audiences might not like. But which I when I watch it, I love it. I love trained little train. I love them. Like I love models. L.B. Abbott, who did the uh, the effects on this, is one of my favorite um, uh, effects guys. And um, a Texas guy. He was a. I noticed that a lot of the movie is made in Texas. Dallas. A lot of movie is made in Dallas, and he's a Texas um, filmmaker. And his work with the models in this. I mean, for anybody who grew up like going to Disneyland and seeing the models of like the future of a future city or of the, you know, of all these things, it's just fantastic. Oh, I forgot to mention, when they come out. And they travel and they see the sun for the first time, not knowing what it is, but knowing that it supplies warmth. They then go to where? Washington, D.C. And they walk straight down the, uh, you know, um, the Lincoln Memorial and and wade through the, uh, the memorial to the monument, which is one of the lines. It's one of the power lines in uh, in sacred Uh, architecture sacred geometry and architecture and so there is an absolute metaphor going on here for freemasonry i know it i mean it's obvious okay and then for me it's funny because then they get to the old man and the old man is like the most boring part of the movie when i was a kid it was like really great and then we got to the old man i was like oh we're at the old man like really it's so boring it's still kind of the most boring part but but okay so dad knows and some of my friends might know but like i was in cats as like a middle schooler i went to theater camp and i played grizabella and cats mm-hmm. and so i'm watching it you this were a time. good grizabella thank you um i was watching it this time and all of a sudden i'm like dad he's just quoting lines from cats and, and i'm like well and cats like, well, came long after and i was like okay but like he just mentioned like four of the cats characters and he started mentioning the jellicle yeah suddenly he's like oh the jellicle cats well okay so 
Of course, Cats is based off of T.S. Eliot's Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats. Right. And But what happens in the Cats musical? I'm not sure what happens in T.S. Eliot's book because I know it's like very unique form. But in the musical, all of the cats are getting together to select one cat to go to the jellicide to be reborn. To be reborn. It's basically they're selecting Because cats have goes. nine lives have, and Logan is what, like on eight or he's seven on, or he's eight? He's on or, five and he yeah. just saw Logan six. And it's funny though, because that's exactly what's happening in Carousel. Yeah. Is that they're basically choosing people to go to the jellicide lair. And so watching it as an adult who has like this. Okay, well, so I'll bet you a thousand dollars right now that there is in uh what was the book called old T.S. Eliot's book old possum of practical cats of practical cats that for sure is a freemasonic book <laughs> like absolutely I'm not i have not going to argue looked at it but i'm thinking t.s <laughs> Eliot for sure yeah. for sure one one of the kind of questions i had about the movie and like maybe you can weigh in on this dad okay so he has his friend and we have this society where it's like their people are gay. They're straight. They're just completely sexually fluid. They just, they're completely they're just hedonistic. Having, like they're having. They're living orgies. for. They they say in the in the in the prologue that everyone now just lives purely for pleasure. So you could definitely look at this movie with like a totally gay subtext between uh, Logan and Francis because like I'm sure it's there. Like we could talk about that for hours. I gotta get Craig McNeil on. Well, we can talk about that with Craig. The way Craig that they escape is by running into love. Yeah. They like li- run, they literally run into love. Like when they escape the, the new you place, the, the face changing mm-hmm. place, they're in some kind of big mall. They live in a big mall basically. And they run and they flee into like, we'll, we'll escape through love. And they run into love, which the is, love story, which is yeah. basically they run into, you know, eyes wide shut. It's, like it's this, a huge orgy going on in slow motion. Orgy, it's in slow motion. It's like they've turned into like a time warp. Well, the, when like, you run through that mist, Oh my God, now I'm here. Have <laughs> you get your hand off my private. Basically <laughs> that's what it is. But And he chases them into there. He chases, but he, yeah, so you he could, finds himself alone in a room full of mirrors but instead. You could, definitely like bring up like a gay subtext between him and francis because it's there because they're literally having orgies together and they have like this very tight relationship my one of my other favorite lines in the movie is when uh francis gets jessica and he like pushes her up against the wall and like silences her and says like he was a good man he was a happy man he was a sand man he was a sand man and you ruined it you ruined him because he really loves his best friend and then the fight though between him and logan where logan He's made this whole point to Jessica when he first meets her of like, uh, I don't murder people. I've never murdered anyone in my life. I've never killed anyone. I terminate runners. I terminate runners. And then he kills his best friend. And he doesn't have to. But he goes in for the second blow and then oh, you the, mean third the third blow, blow yeah. with the American flag. Yeah, yeah. He's. I but mean, he that's a, that's the other thing. They Once they're at the Lincoln Monument, where, by the way, Lincoln has his two hands each resting on a fasci. Um, they uh, they then go to Congress and they literally walk into uh, Congress where Peter Ustinov, the old man, is living with all the cats. Yeah, and yeah, and but he doesn't have to kill his friend, but he chooses to. And it's and when really, they fight, it's with it's, it's with, with the American books, flag. It's with law books that they're throwing at each other, and it's trying to stab each other with the American flag. I mean, if ever there was a you know. And I'm thinking it must be a secret criticism of Logan's of uh, Freemasonry or maybe a glorification. I mean, the thing about Freemasons is they love putting everything out in the open for everyone to see. 
Yeah, I just like I wonder why he kills him. Is like my question because he doesn't have to, but he chooses to. Well, and then it's it's one of those behaviors that when you're watching it in a movie, you think, wow, that's not really what should happen in a movie. And then in the very end, when they're when he's taken back to the computer for his um, what is it, surrogation? Sur- surrogation for whatever the hell that is. I mean, I, it's a surrogate thing. Yeah, but... I looked it up though. It's like a it's a term in business where it's like uh, a term like in a, business. It's like a manager. Like I I'll was... bet it's a Freemason term, man. <laughs> I mean. Well, probably, but it's, a, it's some kind of business term for like replacing one thing with another thing to yeah, like surrogate. fix it. Yeah, it's a surrogate. Yeah. And, um, and so they they get him in there and he basically uh, just the, the movie, get, they throw logic out the window and suddenly just him confusing the computer causes everything to begin blowing up. And then because everything blows up, they're able to somehow everyone and, just kind of climbs out and they like go like touch the old man's and face they, and they see peter Houston off there and that is staging wise and even logically the most wonky it's ending. wackadoodle it's wackadoodle i mean you know how <laughs> and, and yet it all kind of works when i was a kid i never thought about any of the mechanics of the movie like that but uh when i watch it now i'm like it's kind of wonky how how everything and and clumsy how everything plays out which leads me to think it's it's somewhere somehow some way it's theme over function yeah somebody is pushing theme over function so as you know i took that gnosis class which introduced me to altered states which is a gnosis movie and this is definitely a gnosis movie i mean because like there are all these moments of traveling through the kabbalah out the box to the sun out of plato's the cave yeah. basically yeah it, it's like literally. they're they're literally leaving plato's the cave yeah. and seeing the sun and then seeing back and seeing the, the shadows reaction is, i hate the outside yeah and that's typically <laughs> the first reaction when you have gnosis is like i wish i didn't know what i know now because i could go on living yeah. but it's like when he kills his friend i'm like obsessed with him killing his friend because i think of this movie and then i think of something like rollerball which i totally think they could live in the same universe oh yeah this just and, takes place a little bit after rollerball. yeah and I after think, the corporations all collapse yeah and, they decide, you know what? Let's build some domes. And I honestly, like, I can, I compare Jonathan E. and Logan to each other, and of course, I'm going to compare Moon Pie and Francis because it's like a man's man movie. Mm-hmm. And of course, James Conn has his like ex-wife who's like kind of floating around, and then Logan has this girl who at first like pushing back against him so hardcore, and then all of a sudden is just like kind of becomes like, oh, I only want to be with you. And it's interesting because he kills his friend, and then she says that. And he doesn't seem so interested in her anymore, to be honest. That's when he's like, we got to go back and like free everyone. Like, what's the point? Yeah. Like, he's no longer just What am interested. I going to do? What am I going to do? Live out here in with the, you and the, old the man? decimated city with you and the old man. You and I have a child. And then we he's the old man. Is that what we're going to do? Which is probably what happened before. Yeah. Because sometime in the past when the old man was a child, he says his parents raised him. But they lived in every house, he said, which means there were no other people. It was yeah. just his parents and him. So at some point in the past, two people did escape and they had that guy. And so there is no, unless they just continue, unless they repeat, they have to go back and basically free everyone, free everyone from the cave. Which it's like, and I don't know. It's just, it's funny though, because it's like, he never really wants and to I say escape. When I say the cave, I mean, mean the, the metaphorical cave. You mean the domes yeah, that they're stuck in. But it's domes, funny because but... Logan never really wants to escape. It's the computer that forces him to figure out what's out there. Yeah. And then by that the computer basically self-destructs because it doesn't 
like what they think is out there isn't out there. Yeah, it's just because the wrong answer comes back. Like, well, what did you find? There is no sanctuary. How can there be no sanctuary? <laughs> the computer? Self-destruct. The like, Self-destruct. I'm tired of taking care of y'all. Yeah. Like, we're done. Yeah. It's been 300 years, you guys. And so the the weird, and and how the ending just kind of, that like that, in that I was going to say interrogation, but it's, it's a, a surrogation. surrogation. That surrogation sequence you know that occurs is you know it turns into yet another kind of psychotropic lap dissolve color show okay and then the credits by the way to make sense of the of the logic of what's happening the credits by the way are the people that are in carousel because this literally happens in the middle of carousel the Uh, self-destruct and i was laughing with my dad because i was like are they still up there just like floating around things they show are people floating around in carousel (laughs) as if they're still there like hey Guys, we're floating around here. Can you let us out, maybe? God, I saw so many like vaporize Star- me, please. I got so many Star Trek references, like when we were watching this, specifically to Voyager, like that episode with Harry Kim when he's in like the. Well, how about in the end when all the people surround Peter Ustinov? That one person in the foreground raises his hand and he's doing the Vulcan. Yeah, live long and prosper. Live long and prosper symbol with his right hand. It's it was creepy. We actually went back and paused on it, and then I was like, okay, there's another Star Trek reference. Like, there's tons of Star Trek. Like, like in the foreground, this. it's like <laughs> they, they, had, that. they, they had to edit it <laughs> intentionally. Knowing of all the footage you had of people swarming around Peter Ustinov, that's the shot you pick is the one that has the, Vulcan, the live, live long, long and, and prosper. prosper which I mean, I guess that's what the message is, though. Live long and prosper. That's always a good message for Solstice. Yeah, I think honestly it is. What other movies were you considering, Dad? Uh, well, you know what? Um. I actually considered Clockwork Orange. I know, because I... It, well, one, we, we actually you, put it in, and then we stopped. You gave me that poster Which of is also Clockwork from Dave Orange, from Exotic Japanese, Originals. And it's such a great poster. And I just hung it in my office, and I was looking at it, and then I realized, oh, I have a DVD, for, a Blu-ray from 2011, I think it was, of the 40th anniversary, Clockwork Orange, Blu-ray, DVD release. I said, let's watch that. And I actually unsealed it, yeah, I did with Best a batleth. Yeah, with a batleth. I unsealed it. Oh, is that it? No, you can finish okay, your story. Okay, I'll just finish You're I unsealed it. I got it all ready. I put it in the machine. I think I even had the opening bars. We did. Dah. We did. And the and the first colored screen. But we didn't quite get to like Warner Kinney Presents. And that's all the time that we have for today. Dad, is there any final thought that you'd like to share with the audience? Um, solstice is about a renewal and, um, the continuation of life. And I think the most important thing about the day is to just know that we're all in it together and that tomorrow doesn't happen unless we're all in it together. I agree. That's it for today. Thank you so much to my lovely guest and my dad, Roger Avery, for coming on to the show. I love you, Bella. I love you too. You can keep up with my dad on his Instagram at roger.avery, on his Twitter. Can I just say, I used to have, (laughs) when we first were working together on that TV series. No, you still have it. You just got locked out of your account. Avery. Oh, A V A R Y? A V A R Y was my call sign on Instagram. 
and oh. then they they got bought by Facebook. Yes, and then you and I ordered... had a big thing like, "Whoa, that's that!" And I, I no, I... not only that, you actually made me delete mine also. Yeah, because I was never allowed to have a Facebook as a kid. Yeah, and I was like, "Fuck that!" And I got rid of my thing, and now somebody in Colombia has Avery. Well, good thing that you have it on Twitter at Avery. Every now and then, I go look at their thing longingly. <laughs> You can also check my dad out on his website, avery.com. Remember, folks, that's A-V-A-R-Y. Two A's. I'm Gala Avery, and this has been The Gala Show. Happy solstice, everyone, from my family to yours. The Gala Show is brought to you by Insertomatic. This episode was executive produced by Roger Avery and produced by Gala Avery. Music composed by Andy Milburn. As always, I'm your host, Gala Avery. Copyright 2023, all rights reserved. Despite me sharing the same last name with this charity, I don't have any affiliation with it, besides the fact that the issue is very near and dear to my heart. Did you know that in the United States, 2.7 million children currently have a parent in prison, and it's estimated that 10 million children have experienced parental incarceration at some point in their lives. I was one of these kids, and as an adult, I am really grateful to be able to give back to Project Avery. Their mission is to build leadership from within by supporting community through programs such as mentoring and outdoor education, and also to remove the stigma surrounding having a parent that's incarcerated. You don't have to feel alone. If you know a kid who could use these resources or would like to donate money or time to the charity, please go to Project Avery, that's A-V-A-R-Y dot org, to check out what this amazing charity is all about. Again, that's Project Avery dot org. Thank you guys from the bottom of my heart.